0: Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, I'm just going to give you a moment to pray over the sermon. Not for my good, for your good. What's the point in sitting there and listening for however long? You know, I'm planning on going about three hours <laughs> if you're not going to get something out of it. So I just want to give you a minute to just sit there and just have a moment with God. Let Him prepare your heart, let Him prepare your mind, and then we'll get going, okay? Okay, and I'll pray for myself, Father, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak on your behalf, and I pray, Father, that you'll filter my words supernaturally, make sure that I do you right, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read out of uh, 1 Corinthians 6, we're going to go through 1 through 8. You can read along if you want, but, you know, I'm going to read it to you, so... If you can listen, you don't have to look it up. I came across this verse, like, maybe like two or three weeks ago. And it just got me to thinking. She's got some information about it. <laughs> I, love, I love when Siri pops up in the worst places. It cracks me up. Um, yeah, I came across this verse. I was just reading, you know. I just flip over to wherever. And I'm just reading. And uh, something strikes me. And I'm like... Wait a second, this doesn't match up. So let's read. This section is called, Do Not Sue the Brethren. (laughs) That's funny in and of itself. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning those uh, who are least esteemed by the church, well, sorry, I messed up, okay. If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to shame this to your shame is it so that there is not a wise man among you not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren but brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another why do you not rather accept wrong why do you not rather let yourself be cheated no you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren. Okay. So that's a great little verse. Look, let's not be jerks to each other, okay? We can work it out amongst ourselves. We don't need to take each other to court. Here's what stuck out to me about that is verses 2 and 3, where it talks about we will judge the world. And here's the question I have in mind, does the world want our judgment? I think when we hear we will judge the world we have this kind of mindset in our head of yeah, that's right someday Jesus is coming back mm-hmm. and then you're all going to find out that we were right and we're going to be in charge and we have this mindset right like yeah it's coming it's coming here's the thing that hasn't happened yet and in the meantime it's very irresponsible to think that way because we're separating ourselves from the people that we are destined to help, to minister to, to judge for. So we're, we're called into this reputation where the world actually seeks our judgment, right? Rather than spurns it, rather than re, re dreads it, right? <laughs> have you guys ever realized the world absolutely dreads the church's judgment? <laughs> they don't want to know what we think about a matter they rather figure it out themselves. That's not the reputation that God has in mind for his church. It's not. That's not the way he wanted it to be. So, let's talk about it. We're going to talk about today how we kind of try try to fix that. I've been in the church for about 16 years. That's not a braggadocious thing. I want you to realize that this is the sample size that I have, okay? So some of you have been in the church much longer than that. Some of you not as long. My sample size of being in the church is about 16 years. Here are the things that I've observed in those 16 years as far as what is the church actually focused on. I want us to have the reputation that that we're called into. I want us to have a reputation that reflects how good God is. I've realized that the church has a really good reputation among the church. (laughs) Right? That's like somebody looking in the mirror and feeling good about themselves. Meanwhile, they got a big wart like right on their forehead. And everyone else sees it, but somehow they don't. The world tends to reject our judgment because they feel like it lacks love. It doesn't matter how righteous the church's judgment is. It doesn't matter how wise it is. Because to be perfectly honest with you, the world isn't seeking righteousness and wisdom. And so we can have all of the righteousness and wisdom in our judgments, and what is the world going to do? They're going to spurn it. They don't care. What is the world seeking? The world is seeking love. They want to be loved. This is, this is what we have to focus on first and foremost. And you know what? If we're not, then we're not only being ineffective to the world, but we're actually not in line with who God is. God is love. He is righteous, and he is wise, but he is love, right? Right? Righteous and wise are kind of like descriptors of God, right? It's like adjectives to describe Him. Love is His identity. He wears the name tag that says, Hello, my name is Love. That's His identity. If we can't be like that, then we're not in line with Him. Do you realize God is perfectly able to reach the world? He can do it. He did it through Jesus, He did it through the prophets. He can do it. He can reach the world. He can do it in and of himself, even without our help. He doesn't really want to do that. Sometimes I wish he would. (laughs) But he needs us to be in line with him. Okay? All right. Here's, Here's my estimation, all right? Now, look, this is just an honest assessment, guys. None of these things are criticism. It's just, in 16 years... Honest assessment, sit back, take a good honest hard look at myself, at the church, at individual Christians, and what do I see as far as our focus? Okay. This is based on the activity on the on the on the discussions I've seen and heard and had. The church's main focus is growing the church, expanding and surviving. Usually it's either expanding or surviving. <laughs> Man, a lot of focus goes toward, look, let's, we got to go out. We got to get some butts in these seats. We got to expand or we got to survive. We got to come up with some cash to get the bills paid. The church's focus tends to be in that area. If a church is doing really, really well, it's like, man, we got to get better marketing. We got we to gotta be sharper. We got to improve the sound. Let's get some nicer graphics. Boy, this room could use a paint job. A lot of focus goes toward that sort of thing. That's that's not a criticism. Just an assessment. All right, number two, I see the church very, very focused on promoting and teaching scripture. I hope that you see that that's not a criticism. (laughs) It's just an assessment. We do a lot, a lot of focus on making sure people know what the Bible says. We're going to get it out there. Here's what the Bible says. Want to know what the scriptures are? Here they are. Let's talk about it. A lot goes into that. And then thirdly, the church focuses on defending its ideologies. You see this in a lot of the conversations. There's a lot of defending going on. We believe this. We believe that. We know this to be true because the Bible says it. Look, that's just what we talk about that's just what we do. We do a lot of that. We have our we have our political ideas. We talk about them. We're going to defend our political ideas. We have we have our ideas on morality. Yeah? They're backed up by scripture. We're going to let you know. That's a main main focus of the church. What about individual Christians? Individual Christians number 1, I've seen that right there. The exact same thing defending ideologies. Individual Christians, boy, I tell you what. And it's not just outwardly, like in the discussions, like they're having with other people. Oh, I got to defend the way I got to defend the faith. I got to defend my faith. I got to defend my beliefs. But even if it's just a casual conversation, even if it's with another Christian, where it's just an explanation, there's an inward defending going on, right? Inwardly, they're setting up the armament, ready to go to war at any moment. We could, i got to defend what I believe. Yep. Then atheists going to come at me. I'm going to let him know. A lot of focus goes towards that. I mean a lot of focus. A lot of mind power is spent on setting up the logical defense of why do we believe in God? Why do we trust Jesus? Why do I believe this way about whoever is getting elected? Why do I believe... That way, about whatever else is going on in society. I got to set up my opinions. A lot of thought power. Are you you seeing what I'm saying? You can't because it's invisible. Noise, you can't see it. I got (laughs) you. Having fun. Okay, number two. I see a lot of focus on learning scripture, Christian principles, You'll be amazed at how many Christians don't think they know the Bible well enough to be Christian, and yet they don't really study it, but they do a whole lot of thinking about how they should. <laughs> Isn't that right? Oh, Maybe they're not reading the Bible, but they're, they're listening you know, to the radio, to the sermons or whatever, or they're, they're trying to learn more, or maybe they're reading books, Christian books, there's a lot of trying to build up knowledge. This is, this is great. Again, all of these, these are not criticisms. I, I think we should be able to defend our ideologies. I think we absolutely should be learning scripture. Okay, but I'm saying this is where the focuses I've seen. All right. And lastly, for individual Christians, I see, them, I see a lot of effort and energy and strife going toward um, protecting their personal purity. Right? Trying to stay out of sin. Look, that's hard to do. It, staying pure in this world it don't just happen. It, it takes a lot of focus in trying to, to stay away from temptation, to, to, to check your own mindsets. It's hard. And so I, I've seen that over 16 years. I've seen Christians give a lot of focus toward just trying to stay pure, trying to stay sanctified, set apart. And, and there's this belief, and it's a good belief, that as Christians, if we've been saved from sin, then we should not be involved in sin. I think that just makes sense. But it's so hard to not be involved in sin. And we have to really focus on, i got to stay away from the sin. Right? (laughs) It takes energy. It takes focus. And we give a lot of focus toward that. And I think it's good, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that staying away from sin is the best way to be sanctified. We're going to talk about that in a moment. What is the best way to be sanctified, to be set apart, to stand out? Somewhere in the church's mindset is a genuine desire to minister, to help the world, to help solve the problems that the world is suffering from. There's this genuine care In the church, in the organization, and in the administration of the church, and the leaders, and in the prophets, and in all of the evangelists who go around the world, there's this genuine desire to fix what's wrong. But it gets lost. at How determined the church is to simply be relevant and be heard. And all of the focus goes toward, we just got to be able to stand our ground. And all of the energy goes towards that, and then it doesn't go toward what the world actually needs, which is figuring out starvation. Right? Which is figuring out cures for diseases. God has enlightened man into this medical science, and yet we still have all these medical issues. Why can't the church be leading that? Because we're just worried about standing our ground On spiritual ideas. The church focuses on spiritual ideas. We don't give much thought toward realistic problems. That is my honest assessment after just sixteen years of being here. And that may be a tough pill to swallow. I know for me it is, because I care about spiritual things, right? I care about spiritual matters. But the world needs solutions, and we don't help them find solutions. Somewhere in each Christian's mindset, each individual Christian's mindset, is this yearning to show love, to just love people, to love their family members the right way to love their spouses with passion and with intimacy, to love perfect strangers in a way that, that they stand out in that person's mind and they inspire that person to show love. This is, this is what we care about in some deep way, but, but, but we get distracted and it gets interrupted by how determined we are to simply be Christian and carry that flag. We've got we to gotta do all the things that we've got to do to be Christian, And somewhere along the way we don't actually do the love that we really, really want to do. Are you seeing that? I don't know, maybe maybe I'm the only one who feels that way. It it it's hard being a good Christian. And yet it's so easy. We get caught up in all of the ways that it's hard and we forget the one way where it's super easy. George Washington Carver, I think, has a solution for us. I have it in all bold in my notes. I have it, I'll I'll read it to you, All, all caps. How do we get from where we are to where we are called to be? And then the very next thing, here's how. We improve as individuals. We improve as an organization. Okay. Here's the solution: When you can do the common things of life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. Let's all let's all read it together. Let's do it. Let's do a group activity. <laughs> let's read it together. On the count of three: one, two, three. When you can do things of life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world. Is that not true? How many of you guys have known somebody in your life that you're like, "Wow, that person just does it right. I want to know how they look at things. I want to know what they're thinking about because they just get it right in everything. And sometimes you're a little bit mad at yourself. Because you're like, how come I can't get it right? <laughs> and sometimes you get a little bit jealous of them. Like, how come they got it right in everything? Whoo, they're even handsome. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Yadra. <laughs> we respect people who are able to do the common things in an uncommon way. Just all the little things that just do them so well. Yeah? I get, I get... I get down on myself sometimes whenever I'm in the car as a passenger and my wife is driving. You know why? Because she's a good driver. (laughs) I like to think I'm a good driver, and then I go sit in the passenger, and I'm like, man, yeah, yeah, she's a better driver than me. (laughs) We respect the people who can do the common things in an uncommon way. They're just better than us, and we want to be like them, and we want to listen to them. And here's the important thing. We want to seek out their judgment on the things that pertain to this life. We want to know what they think about a matter. So, we're going to go over some common things. All right? I've got eight of them, and then we're done. Easy, easy sermon. I was going to set a timer for 30 minutes this time, but then I just didn't. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Four of these things deal with Common things among others, among the world, when we're just out in our workplaces or or at family functions or, you know, we always say just walking around the grocery store. You know, I try to avoid that place as much as possible because that's where all my money goes. (laughs) So I go to coffee shops instead. (laughs) Fail. All right, and the other four have to deal with the common things that we do just in and of ourself in our own life right okay let's start with number 1 number 1 we ready common things that we need to do in an uncommon way if we are ever going to change the church's reputation into what it should be here are the un- here are the common things we have to do in an uncommon way number 1 listening you heard <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? I know you're laughing at me. Listening. The Bible says it so simply. Let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak. I read a great article, man. It was long, too. I didn't even read all of it. I kind of skimmed a little bit because it was really long. I should find the link. Maybe I'll put it up on Facebook. And it talked about how the biggest thing Christians struggle with, with non-believers is the relationships that they have with them. Because why? The non-believers are always like a, a, they had this great metaphor of warships and submarines. You know? Like what, if the submarine's just cruising on the top of the ocean, and it's just doing its thing, and then it sees warships on the horizon, what does the submarine do? Woo! Dive, dive, dive! (laughs) And non-believers are like the submarines, and they see us coming like the warships. And what do they start doing, man? They start diving down like, I don't want to talk to this person. I know they're going to preach at me. I got to start putting up my walls, you know? And you know what? I tell you what, people know how to put up walls. You know what the best wall is, the one you can't see? The camouflaged wall. You think people aren't an expert at putting up camouflaged walls? Boy, they'll put up a wall and you'll never even know it was there you'll never even know it was there. You're not going to minister to somebody when they got the camouflaged walls up. They're diving down to the depths of the ocean. How do you change that? I will tell you, you stop talking. And you start listening. You start listening. I work at a direct sales company, and the biggest advice that we give to people as they're out there trying to trying to sell our products and, and, and uh, get people involved with our business is stop telling people about our products. Stop telling people about our business. Just listen to them. Hear their dreams. Hear the problems that they're having in their life. You have a solution. Let them find it in you. Yeah, it's a good sales technique especially in a business that is more relationship-focused than anything else. And that's, that's, what our, that's what direct sales is. It needs to be relationship-based. All right, if anybody wants to sign up, just come to me after church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but there's something that will be learned there, right? You have solutions for people. You have solutions for the world. You understand the spiritual matters of things that are going on. You can find a, a solution to a realistic problem. But you've got to just sit there patiently and get to know someone and listen to their heart, listen to their dreams. Don't talk. Be an active listener, right? Ask for clarification on something that you already understood. (laughs) Isn't that a fun way to be an active listener? Like, yeah, I understand exactly what this person says, but let me act like I didn't so I can get them to explain it again. That way they know I'm listening. Do things like that. Be a good listener. Okay, that's a common thing that many, many, many people do not know how to do. If you get nothing else from this sermon today, get that. You've got to be a good listener. 90% of the public has no idea how to listen. It's true. Yeah. People, people are real good at talking. <laughs> Learn to be a listener. Okay, number two. Here we go. Another easy one. Ready? Smiling. <laughs> Y'all were thinking I was going to put something deep up there, right? Smile. Smile. I I work in video, and you know what I always do? Whenever we're about to turn on the camera and somebody's going to be talking, okay, it's three, two, one, smiling action. Smile. Put a smile on your face. Okay, let's read these. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. A joyful heart is good medicine. And for the happy heart... Life is a continual feast. Does that not sound attractive? If somebody is smiling all the time, don't you want to be around them more? I mean, I know I do. Smile, guys. There's so many verses in the Bible about joy, about how to, how to protect your joy in hard times, about how to be joyful about the things in your life about how valuable joy is, I want you to realize that joy is a really, really, really powerful way of building the church's reputation. You know, non-believers, they don't want nothing to do with Christians. But most non-believers I've talked to, they know one Christian that they kind of like. They're like, I don't like Christians, but that one guy... I'm cool with him. I'm cool with him. Isn't it true? Sometimes it's a grandma. Sometimes it's a coworker. But usually every non-believer has at least one Christian. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like that person. I like them. If I was ever going to become a Christian, he would be the person I would talk to. Here's my challenge to you. Are you that person for someone? How many people are you that person for? Yeah. Try to make it more. All right, next one. My phone went dead. I'm just going to read the. Here we go. Giving. All right. Generosity. I want you, I'm going to say something really obvious, and I hope you don't feel like I'm insulting your intelligence. But non believers, they don't see or care about the giving that you do in church. Oh, you pay your tithe. Okay. Sounds like a waste of money to me. That's, that's how non-believers think, if they even know. If you are the most generous person in church, good for you. You'll be blessed. God rewards the giver. If you are only generous in church, you're doing nothing to help the church's reputation. Come on now. Be the one who insists on buying lunch and makes everyone else uncomfortable. Yeah? Yeah? Like you bought it last time. You bought it the last 3 times. I'm buying it again. Suck it up and deal with it. Be that guy. Yeah? If if you have people under you at work, be the one, be the boss who takes them out. Every couple weeks, "Hey, let's go get some coffee." "Hey, I'm going to buy lunch for you today. Let's go." "Hey, I'm on the way into work. Can I get you something?" Be that kind of boss. Be generous. Give. Don't just give money. Give, give things. And give things that other people actually care about. I, I was just telling Belinda, I'm going to You know what? I'm just going to tell you guys what, what I've got planned. You've you got to promise not to tell Chris, though. You don't know Chris, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Chris is a writer at my work. I make videos. He's been working on these scripts. These scripts have been a total pain in the rear. It's very complicated stuff. We're changing the way that our company pays the sales associates. We've got them put together these complicated videos about how to explain it and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of egos in the building, and they all want to talk about this new plan in a different way. This guy has been tortured for the last month trying to get these scripts written. He, he does this thing where he can make his eye twitch. <laughs> you know, and so he'll look at me and be like, yeah, they had more changes. And his eye is just going crazy. <laughs> Cracks me up. There's a there's a beer, a craft beer. You know the local beer market here, in in North Texas is booming. You know there's all kind of breweries that are making these cool beers, and there's a beer that's called Till and Toil. <laughs> Chris is a beer fan. He likes craft beer. I once I, once these scripts are done, I'm showing up at his office with the bottle of beer for him. Till and Toil. Thank you, Chris. You've been amazing. Writing these scripts and fighting through it. Do I advocate, or am I an advocate for alcoholism? No, no, of course not. But I know what Chris cares about. And I want to show him something that means something to him. That's giving. All right, does that make sense? A thoughtful gift, a thoughtful gift. And and get out of this mode of like self-righteousness. Give people what they care about. Okay? Make an impression. Make an impression. Okay. And the next one closely rated to giving is giving a rip. <laughs> All right? Like actually caring. Yeah. Boy, I tell you what. I, I, I've been amazed at how self-centered I've seen Christians be. Yeah. And, and they're just like the world. In that respect, people are self-centered. Blows my mind. How are we self-centered? Let's read this. this. This scripture kind of blew my mind. We have this idea about Sodom, right? Where we understood what their sin was. That was disgusting. Well, here's a little bit of an eye-opening as far as what God thought. Behold, this was the guilt of Sodom. She and her sisters had pride, excess food, and prosperous ease oh my goodness, that sort of sounds like America. But that, that wasn't the whole sin. It was that with the combination that they did not aid the poor and the needy. Are you doing well? You got food in your refrigerator? You be able to go home on Sunday afternoon and relax and take a nap? Yeah. We just had Memorial Day. We have a lot of national pride. I feel it too. I love telling other countries how we protect our flag. You know? You know we're the only country that's got all kind of rules for the flag. And I tell my friends from South Africa or the UK about it and they're like, "What? <laughs> you have to fold it a certain way? You can only get rid of it by burning it?" And I start telling them all the rules, you know, that I learned in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> And they're amazed. And I have this pride for America. Do you have pride for America? Are you patriotic? So you got food in your fridge. You're going to be able to take a nap this afternoon. And you're patriotic. Are you caring for the needy? If the answer to that last one is no, you're just as bad as Sodom. Is that not a gut check? Wow. It's a common thing. There are sinners... There are unbelievers who do better at caring for the people around them than we do. And we wonder why the church has a reputation it has. We've got to fix that. Come on, give a rip. Take the time to not just care about yourself. Care about someone else who needs to be cared about. Make sure they know it. There's a quote I put in my notes. I was going to say it earlier, I forgot I'll say it now. The love, uh, any love that's only felt by the person loving and not by the beloved is just a pointless notion. We tell that to couples as well for marriage counseling. If you love someone, that don't mean nothing if they don't know it. You better show it. You better make sure that they know that you love them. Right? Beyond any shadow of a doubt, they gotta know it. They gotta know it. You gotta love them in their way. It doesn't mean anything if you're loving them in your way. I love you, so I just thought about this scripture for you. Well, I don't believe in the Bible, so thanks. No, find the way to love non-believers in their way. So they know that they're loved by the church. All right, let's get to some things, just not out dealing with. With, with other people in the world, but just dealing with ourselves in our own lives and, and carrying ourselves in a way that's super, super respectable. Yeah? All right, first and foremost, you're gonna, you knew this was coming. Come on now, you knew this was coming. Family and marriage. You know how many married couples there are in the world? I don't know, I was asking you. There's a lot. All right. <laughs> Good point, Matt. That's groundbreaking. Marriage is a common thing. A healthy marriage is an uncommon thing. Yeah. All right? Does that help you out? Being married is a common thing. Yeah. Being married in a healthy relationship is uncommon. It's not... It doesn't happen all that often. If you're in the church, that's the very first thing you need to focus on. It's making sure that your marriage is healthy and strong. Yeah. If you can't do that, you can't help the church's reputation. It says it right there. Anyone who does not provide... Look, not just monetary provision, not just canned peas in the cupboard. We're talking about love. Can you provide love? Anyone who does not provide for their relative and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's biblical. Ooh, Ooh, if you can't get that right, you better go ask the world for some advice. Don't be trying to give the advice. Get your marriages straight. If you need help, Belinda and I are here. We're going to help you in a loving and a wise and in a godly way. Do not just let it ride and expect it to get better on its own. Because sometimes it does and sometimes it don't. Get your marriages straight. Take care of your families. Don't slack off. I read, I was reading a book, Quiet Strength, by Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, the ex-head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He led them to all these Super Bowls. And he told his players one year after his father had passed away in the offseason, and he came in and he said, listen here, every single one of you take care of your families. Do not come into this locker room. Do not come into this film room and let me find out about your family is suffering in some way and you're not handling it. He told his whole football team that. He got it. Take care of your families. If you can't take care of that, everything else is going to fall apart. All right, next. Working, when you're at work. Excellence. Yeah? Whatever, you, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Why? Why should I do that? Well, because you'll be dead soon and you can't. In the realm of the dead, there is no planning or wisdom or knowledge. So, do it up. You're going to work? Work hard. You feeling like you're getting a little bit lazy? Call someone who needs some scrap metal moved out of a shed or something. (laughs) That's what I did yesterday. I got a good workout. It was fun. Work. Be excellent in what you do. Don't slack off. Don't, Don't cut corners unless you have to, you know, for efficiency or something. Yeah. Okay, next one. Finances. The wise have wealth and luxury, but the fools spend whatever they get. I, I have a friend, Felipe. He's Christian. He's one of the wisest people I know. He's so, so good with his money. He's my age, and his house is almost paid off. He has no school debt. <laughs> his wife is retired. They're my age. Shandy is 35 and she retired. And Felipe works on his own. He doesn't answer to a corporate boss. He's built up his clientele. He makes videos. He's built up his clientele to the point that he's always busy. He works late at night. They do not live above their means. They save. They have a kid right now who's been fighting cancer. I'm talking a toddler. Not even in school yet. And he's been paying for the chemotherapy and everything with Obamacare helping a little bit. You know, he'll tell you that. He didn't like Obamacare, but he does appreciate. But they're not going into this dire debt and their son is getting better. Finances mean something. When you can hold it together and, and be wealthy in your own respect. Right, You don't need to live in some mansion. You will command the respect of the people around you because that is uncommon. Managing finances in a wise and prudent and responsible way is uncommon, guys. Not everyone does it. Even in the church. Even in the church, guys. People, people be dumb with their money. Don't be dumb with your money. Be smart. Tuck it away. Hide it. Open up a savings account and then forget about it with direct deposit, you know? Do something like that. Be smart with your money. Think about your retirement. Yeah? Think about your retirement. How many of you guys got a 401k or something of that respect, some sort of savings account for later in life whenever you can't work? We're all going to get to that point, yeah? Well, I mean, let's just be honest here we're all going to get to a point that we can't be working all the time. You better have something saved up. Think about your finances. Be wise. If you don't have all the answers, you're basically like 99% of the public. This is why people have jobs as financial advisors. Yeah. And there's ministries that will do it for you for free. They'll come and chat with you. They'll have a look at your account. Have a look at your balances. Have a look at where you're spending your money. They'll help you out. If you don't think this is important, you're wrong. You're wrong. The world is filled with irresponsible people, and the thing I've learned about irresponsible people is they don't really want to be irresponsible. They they, they want to be better. And they're attracted to other people who are responsible because they want to glean from that. If you're a financial wreck, that's all right. Right? I don't want you to be mad at yourself. Right? If you have bad spending habits, you're just like me. I would go into the coffee shop way too much. Look, make my own coffee at home, it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> but let's get better. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's get better. Let's identify where we have an area where we can improve and let's improve. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Look, this world has a really, really special way of victimizing people. <laughs> you're going to get wrecked at some point in life. Yeah. I heard a quote. It said, nobody walks between the rain. At some point, everyone's going to get hit. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But be responsible. Yeah. And, and set a good precedent for the people around you to aspire to. That's what the church needs from you. These eight things. I think that was the last one, correct, Kyle? Oh, there's one more. Oh, health, yeah. Oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. I'd forgotten about it and I found it again last night. Have you found honey? Well, eat only as much as you need, lest you would be filled with it and vomit. <laughs> Guys, let's be healthy, okay? All right? I actually tried to find Bible verses on, you know, God wants you to be healthy and everything like this. And you know what I found? The Son of Man came eating and drinking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to help my case. <laughs> man, no, but there's something to be said for prudence, showing some self-restraint. All right? All right, you're going to go to the barbecue. All right, look, enjoy it. I'm, I'm a Texas boy. I love some good barbecue. Maybe I'll have a barbecue and y'all can all come. that will be fun. We have to do that, babe. Don't eat too much. You're going to get sick. Okay, but that's, I want you to think of this as a metaphor. All right? We live in a society and a time in history where it's real easy to slack off. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it's real easy to slack off. Most of the honey that people deal with is right here. Yeah? Yeah. Most of the honey people deal with is on that thing called Facebook, Instagram. I'd be playing baseball on my phone way too much. It'll make you vomit. It will. Put the phone down and go for a jog or something. Yeah? Let's think about health. Health is not just about being physically fit and having washboard abs. I'm looking at you, man. <laughs> being healthy is about self-restraint and doing what's right for you, all right? I don't need everyone in here starting up on jazzercise. More power to you if you want to do that. What I really need everyone in here to do is to begin off, you know, practicing some self-restraint and being a healthy person in your diet and in your, and in your exercise and in your uh, you know, uh, social time and in your mental time, yeah, when you're just thinking. I remember, what's his name, from the Fab Five, uh, the tall one. Jared, you got to help me out here. Dwight? Dwan Howard. Dwan Howard, Dwan Howard. <clears throat> basketball player, retired now. This was back in the like, early aughts and 90s. He said the most powerful thing that his mom ever did for him was make him sit quietly, look out the window, and think every single day. He said that's the most powerful thing that his mom ever did for him. He learned how to be mentally healthy by simply stopping and making himself look out the window and think. Wow. That stuck with me. That's crazy. People paying a lot of money to psychiatrists. (laughs) They just look out the window and think. Our kids are always in the back of the car. To, I'm bored. What can I do? You know what the answer is? Get out the window. Get out the window. <laughs> they hate it when we say that. But we're not going to stop. Okay. There you have it. your eight things. It was easy, right? Easy sermon today. Ain't nothing complicated. Nothing complicated, guys. The church's reputation is hinging on your ability to be uncommon in the common things. And you know what's hinging on the church's reputation? Souls. The world's ability to solve its problems are hinging on if it respects the church enough to ask for help. That world don't respect the church enough to ask for help right now. Let's start changing that. Yeah? Let's start loving people, like for real. OK? Let's be better listeners. Let's be better givers in a one-on-one time with this person that doesn't even go to church, doesn't even like Jesus. I don't know who doesn't like Jesus, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> They're out there. Let's be better givers with those people. Hey, let's smile more. <laughs> Man, people feel better when they see someone else smiling. Let's smile more, all right? Let's give a rip. Yeah. People got something going on in their life. Let's actually care about them. Yeah, like really care. Like, ask them, hey, how's it, how's it going with that thing? I was really thinking about you. You know? If people are needy, let's ask ourselves, can I help them with that need? Right? Okay, let's, let's do a better job of managing our families, managing our marriages, keeping them strong, keeping them healthy. Let's, ha- let's walk with marriages that the world looks at and says, that's how it's supposed to be done. Those, those Christians, they've got it right. Right? Yeah. Let's in our workplaces, let's work hard. Let's carry excellence. I was I was I almost turned red. I got my annual review and I gave myself on the score of excellence on my self review, I gave myself just a normal score, you know. I try to do a good job. I expect everyone should try to do a good job, you know. Try to do a little bit above what the competition is doing. I look at their videos. Okay, how can I do better than that? <laughs> my boss gave me a higher score than I gave me on excellence. I about turned red guys but that's the way it should be christians should walk with such a spirit of excellence in everything they do that they don't even realize how excellent they're being okay i'm going to challenge you all to get and don't just mark yourself low so you can get a higher score okay (laughs) all right next finances be responsible actually think about your future so you don't wind up in a bad position if you're in a really bad spot right now, you know, my, my dad, my dad, he raised a family of four boys on just his income. He's a body man. He fixes the cars. he had been doing body work for 45 years, since his early 20s. He's in his 60s now. steady going to work every day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. He's working hard. Always 10 to 12 hours. He raised up the family. And now he's getting to a point he can't work that hard. It's taking it out of him, he's trying to think about his retirement. He's looking at it and he's thinking, "Man, I ain't got enough." So he's saving. So he's talking to the financial advisors. Hey, what can I do? He's trying to think ahead. He's been doing this for the past five years. I chat with him. He asked me, "How's your four hundred one k, Matt?" I said, "Dad, you got more than me." <laughs> Let's think about our finances, okay? And let's think about our health. Let's think about our health. People are attracted to other healthy people, not just the abs, yeah, not just the toned shoulders. <laughs> people are attracted to other people who know how to practice self-restraint, okay? All right, so we have our banners. That's it. I hope you guys will take this to heart. I don't want the church to have the reputation it has where it's really well-respected among itself, But it's not really that well respected among people who don't believe in God.